Welcome, Blood Brothers and Sanguine Sisters, to Deeply Discussing Dexter. I'm your host, Dale Maxfield. I'm joined by Aaron Caldwell. Hello. Brooke Merritt. Hello. And Zach Rowland. And today we are kicking off Season 2 of Dexter with Season 2, Episode 1, It's Alive! Um, This is picking up, of course, from uh, the finale last season, and we find out that since Dexter killed his brother Brian in the last episode, he has been unable to kill anyone since. So this episode is about him trying to get his groove back. We'll see if he's successful or not. Um, it is also because it's setting up so much and there's so much going on, um, but it's also so uh, focused on Dexter and Deb and the fallout of that finale that this one... Really, I couldn't break into subplots. I really had to keep it in in one big, big clump. So this will be a lot like the first two episodes of last season and the last episode of last season where everything's pretty much together and we're not separating things out into characters. What did you guys think of this episode overall? I thought this one was great. I really liked this one. Um, This is probably one of my favorite episodes so far. Yeah, I think that uh, it was a good intro to the second season it it was nice that it kind of picked up where it left off there wasn't too much of a jump so those who enjoy like kind of enjoyed the first season and were like oh okay well where can we go next with dexter was a it was a nice way to pick up on that i really enjoyed this episode uh dexter just it, it was almost like a palate cleanser after last season uh how it ended I think it was smart. Um, Michael Cerrone and Melissa Rosenberg wrote the finale last season, and Michael Cerrone wrote this episode. So it really does feel like a natural uh, progression from that last episode last season. So uh, we start out with the same thing that Dexter says at the beginning of every season almost. Tonight's the night, and it's going to happen again and again. has to happen. He's out patrolling similar to the pilot, but we see immediately that there's a big difference, and that is that Dokes is right behind him. Uh, He's cold and ready to strike, and then it turns out that he and Angel and Masuka are out bowling. Angel has apparently adopted some kind of success visualization uh, process from an episode of Oprah, and when the actual bowling game starts against the Alley Cats, an unnamed fourth player appears on Dexter's team, so they just couldn't think of another guy from Miami Metro to put in there. So there's just this Randy guy that sits in the back. Uh, Dokes finally leaves. Dexter heads out to kill and goes into a voodoo shop, finds a blind proprietor, leads him into the back room, and Dexter M99s him. He wakes up on Dexter's table. And Dexter tries to uh, take the guy out and just can't, can't go through with it. He ends up setting them free and says, let that be a lesson to you. I thought this was a great scene, especially when uh, the the voodoo guy, like, obviously he can't see what's going on, but he still tries to, like, scare Dexter by speaking in this deep voice, like he, he's got some connection, Dexter just slaps him on the forehead, and like, no. Yeah, he just starts doing demon speak, and Dexter slaps him, like, no. <laughs> it's it's such a, a good scene. scene. I laughed out loud. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it may work on some, but not on everyone. 
Um, I particularly enjoyed the way that they started the episode with the tonight's the night and it's going to happen again and again to where, you know, it, it, it calls back to that original one, but then they add that Dokes following shot as well. And it's, I think it's just like, um, it's just fun for the audience and, and it's, it's, uh, it kind of, you know, calls back to that and you give us that sense of Dexter again, but it's a different Dexter this time. As we as we follow through the episode and learn um, of, of his uh, shortcomings, to say the least. Yeah, I think the shot is really funny where he pulls up and the camera stops, and then he drives off and the camera stays stationary, and another car comes up, and that's Dokes. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, <laughs> so Dokes is stalking him while he stalks the streets. Well, yeah, it, I, was, I was really like that shot. At this point in the episode has Dexter said it's been X amount of days and hours since I killed my brother? He hasn't said that yet, no. Okay, I thought it was in this scene. But uh, he gets back to his apartment, and we can see for the first time his bowling shirt has his bowling team's name of Bull Till You Bleed. Uh, Dexter has latched the apartment door closed. She's wearing an ironic shirt that says Alive and Well on it. Deb and Dexter seem to be getting under each other's skin, but they apologize. There's a flashback to young Dexter and Harry at a gun range. Harry is trying to postpone a hunting trip Dexter was looking forward to. They struggle over a gun, and it goes off, apparently hitting Harry. Uh, Then Dexter is at Rita's with unsatisfactory donuts. The kids don't understand cheese danishes or non-frosted donuts. Cody says, we're going to go visit my dad in jail today. You want to come? Dexter says, I'm afraid I have to work today, buddy. Uh, Rhea successfully distracts the kids with TV and takes Dexter into the bedroom. Dexter can't get it up. Everything is off with him. And you know what? Rita's classy. She does not say, why don't you have wood? She just like, is everything okay? <laughs> yeah, she, she's, she's a keeper. She's a keeper. I'm going to point out that that would not be something that Dexter would have heard because it was Deb that said that last season. Well, I So unless he has experience with Deb... Then <laughs> I know I'm just comparing Deb and Rita. Okay. You're making the yeah, point th- he's with somebody completely unlike his sister, which I would say is a healthy thing. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah, I think because uh, <laughs> uh, what Aaron's also you know brings up will later on uh, we'll just see more of the interaction between Deb and and Rita and yeah how the, how they are different like Rita kind of is more classy in the sense she doesn't throw you know uh, sex terms around loosely or weirdly or in in, in a high school what manner so well everyone's more classy than Deb the thing <laughs> is that for Deb. Doing that stuff is a coping mechanism for being in the field that she's in, for being surrounded by a majority male police force all the time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, at least she has a sense of humor. You know, mm-hmm. she's alive and well. She's all, you know, she's she's doing her thing. She's exercising a lot. Yeah. Uh, no, no bikinis though, so we don't have to worry about covering up any <laughs> rib bones this this season. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Dexter says he's having trouble after killing his brother. Uh, then Dokes walks into Dexter's office at work. Dexter says, thanks for supporting the bowling team. And Dokes says, fuck you. Dexter tries to distract Dokes by having porn ads up on his screen. Dokes tells Dexter that he knows Dexter hasn't rented porn in seven years. Dexter says that Dokes' interest in him could be construed as harassment. 
and Dokes dares Dexter to report him. So that's where they are in the uh, the whole Dokes is watching Dexter part of the story. I actually really enjoy the interaction between these two. Like, it's it, it's almost like two friends ribbing one another, but there's there's this menace behind it that is is just so great. Yeah, I'm happy that they get more screen time together this season. I think that the the following of Dexter by Dokes, you know, it keeps the uh, the stakes high, and it also you get great Dokes lines out of it. So it's a win win situation. Uh, Deb shows up to work. It's her first day back since she was nearly killed by the ice truck killer. Lieutenant Pascal partners Laguerta with Deb. She sincerely appreciates Laguerta's professionalism. Dokes, Masuka, Dexter, and Angel look at a body on some rocks near the ocean. Dexter comes up with a better theory than Dokes, and then he steps in blood. He also forgets to take the lens cap off his camera. A man with a banana tour is trying to talk Deb into trying it out. And some randies behind a barricade recognize Deb from the ice truck killer case and start snapping photos of her. One says, hey, Mrs. Ice Truck Killer, turn around, look scared for the camera. LaGuerta and Deb hear him. Deb looks like she's ready to go after the guy, but LaGuerta says her name. So Deb just turns and smiles for the camera. But really, nobody's going to make a joke about Deb being offered to go on the banana tour. Nobody's got anything to say about that. <laughs> We're not Masuka. I don't. I'm disappointed in all of you. <laughs> <laughs> I met you guys. I mean, it's not like Deb's a banana tour. Yeah. You know, she's more of a hot dog stand. Way more of a hot dog stand. That works better, but come on. (laughs) I mean, she's already been going on a banana tour most of her life. (laughs) There it is. There it is. Thank you. Faith restored. Uh, well, you know, got to give Deb some banana words. She's had bananas enough bananas for now. It's it's 2018, Brooke. We can't just be pointing things out like that. I keep forgetting it's 2018. But if we're talking about 2006, 2007, it's fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, a woman rushes towards the body behind Dokes and Laguerta. Dexter ends up being the only one in the way. He kind of grabs her into a hug and brings her down. Dokes says, can we please secure this motherfucking crime scene? In a way that only Dokes can, really. He's just so fantastic. Throwing Uh, the word motherfucker around. Angel translates what the woman said to Dexter. She says it's her son and that she knows who killed him, someone named Little Chino. She also asks Dexter to find Little Chino and kill him like a dog. And then a little girl comes forward and hugs the grieving woman. Dexter recognized the look on her face from when he was traumatized. So this is our this is our setup for uh, for little Chino, who's going to be our our uh, kind of antagonist or Dexter target for an episode here too. Here is it that uh, the mother, the woman thinks that Dexter looks like a killer. Is that why she asks him specifically? I think it's funny that she's. I mean, maybe she was speaking to everyone in the vicinity, but like. Specifically to be like, kill him like a dog, like to Dexter, and he'd be like, yeah, I'm going to, so thank you for that. (laughs) You know, she picked the right guy who just happens to also be the blood spatter camera guy. Mm -hmm. So, good for her. (laughs) 
Paul is telling the kids a made-up story using the Candyland board. Aster says, cool story, Dad. But next time, can we play the actual game? Paul says he'll check with the warden about finding some missing game pieces. Paul takes Rita aside and asks for help with his appeal. He tells her he's having a really rough time and doesn't belong in federal prison. And that turns out to be his last uh, his last time with the kids. Aw, oh, sad. Spoiler. Ruined it with Candyland. <laughs> well, you know what? That scene was so much better. And I can't imagine why it could have been that there was a different Cody. But that might just be me. Oh, we we get to know the, the better Cody very soon. He's coming up yeah. here. Yeah, I definitely... I think that had it been old Cody, that scene would have been awful and it would have just... It would not we would have no sympathy for Paul. But. <laughs> Is this the Cody new Cody? Because I think he's still terrible. It's the new Cody. He's what? not that good either. <laughs> what do you, what do you want, bro? The old Cody would have eaten Candyland. <laughs> That's and what he would have said. It's all your fault. It's all your fault. Okay, he's slightly um, better, yeah. but not much better. Yeah, I will. I will say for the scene though, it's like it almost sucks because you, you know, you know, Paul's a kind of a shit dad, and he's not been good to Rita, but he still loves these kids, and yeah, maybe he doesn't belong in federal prison, and he's trying, and he makes up like a pretty decent fantasy story for the kids. He tries to entertain them in a way that you know, like a dad who cares can. So it, it does seem pretty unfortunate that this is his last moment with his kids because of the circumstances. I think it's interesting that they don't show what really happened to Paul because in my mind, I mean, we can talk about this more when we get to the point where Rita and Dexter are talking about it. Um, but in my mind, and kind of what she says leads me to believe that Paul got angry after Rita refused to do anything about it, even when she had the shoe, and she just totally totally made Paul upset beyond belief that Paul went and picked a fight and got himself killed. That's how it seems to me. As opposed to, you know, prison's really tough and he's in trouble in there and he needs to be rescued or something bad's gonna happen and then something bad happens. I think it's more of Paul's personality is that when he gets angry and out of control he fights and prison's not a good place to go and, and fight if you don't if you want to survive so and, and that kind of takes it back to it's hard to feel for him because he's such a con man that you know that almost everything in that scene was probably just completely disingenuous it was completely selfish. I mean, he was just trying to manipulate Rita again and in manipulate scene, the yeah. kids. Yeah. So, um, Dexter is interested to find out if Little Chino fits, Little Chino fits Harry's code. Uh, Deb and Dexter... Deb shows Dexter evidence of nine murders in the last two years. <clears throat> Witnesses have been killed. Dokes leads Chino in. He looks like he's seven feet tall and muscular. Deb says, fucking beef bus. And uh, we return to the flashback. Harry's okay, but his heart is racing. Dexter wants to feel it and puts his hand on Harry's chest. Angel's questioning the mother of the murdered man. She agrees to give testimony against Chino. 
Masuka says to Deb, you want to see something swell? Come a little closer. Deb <laughs> says, and the token is spoken. There you go, Brooke. There's your first Masuka yep. line of the year. <laughs> Yay. No, there was one earlier at the bowling alley. Want to see a yeah. real 7-10 split? We can't forget yeah. that one. That was really yeah, bad. <laughs> you know... Um, uh, I, I don't get it. <laughs> and he also asked if Deb put any pounds on while she was off. Yeah, I keep track. I keep a Rolodex of all of Masuka's lines. Wow. Yeah, he's a he's a regular cast member now, so there'll be a I'm lot more so Masuka to love. Great. This the scenes of uh, of flashbacks have almost less of a, a dreamy feel to them this year. Like, in the first season, I, I don't know if it's the camera they used or what, but they kind of had this this look to them that made them almost dreamlike. And this one actually seemed like a, a legit scene of the show. Uh, like, almost like they cut to a different storyline instead of just somebody daydreaming. And, and I thought... I thought the scenes with Harry and old Dexter or young younger Dexter um, emo Dexter were <laughs> emo Dexter were really well done. Yeah. So last season, uh, the first flashback scenes appear in the pilot, and it looks like for budgetary reasons they just overlit everything so they could shoot the actors and not really worry about what the set was like behind them um there'd be maybe one or two things in the set or you know just some shapes and stuff like that and they kept that going with a little bit better production value throughout the season but yeah i do think that this season they have done a better job of deciding that flashbacks can look better than these these cheap oversaturated shots that they were doing before. Well, I think overall, um, this episode you see an, a better production value and everything looks better. Um, you can tell they got a better budget for season two. It shows pretty much immediately. Yeah, uh, I think overall it looks better. the The Blu Ray transfer this this episode I've noticed. I have not noticed this on previous episodes that there are scenes where the uh where it's obviously interlaced and that's that they were using the the broadcast version to transfer to blu-ray and the broadcast version wasn't 1080p so you can see lines um you can see the sort of interlaced lines in this a little bit it just depends on the scene but i kept paying attention for them and i could, I could find them in just about every scene so um, this might have been a case where they didn't have a good transfer to work back from, but I didn't have that problem so much in season one, so I don't know if that was just this episode or if the rest of season two I'm going to notice that as well. Um, if you don't have a 1080p Blu-ray or TV to watch it on, you probably won't notice it. So it's just that I was watching it on Blu-ray on a 4K TV, and I can pick those things out pretty easy. So, uh, Dokes is interviewing Chino. He's lying to Dokes, but he says that the mother is a junkie. Dexter looks it up, and she has two arrests for possession. There's no way the state will use her as a witness. We cut to a scuba team looking, through, 
looking for a sunken galleon, except they're in Dexter's dump. The first thing they find is a meat cleaver. Then they find a trash bag with a dismembered body in it. As they surface, the camera pans across dozens of body bags and bones out across the ocean floor. So, uh, this is the this is the central problem or the central issue of the season is that they found Dexter's dumping ground. I thought this was a really cool shot, uh, just cinematically. Um, they, you know, they they kind of go in subtly and then get deeper and deeper and deeper. But when they cre- the, the the camera crests over the shelf to where it even goes further down, and it's just it's just tears it, upon tears of bags. Uh, you know, it, so many kills, and we already know that yeah. based off of the blood plates. But just to see it put that direction, and I wanted to ask Aaron. Uh, was that the same monitor? Uh, the, the, didn't the Dexter fish no fish finder? No, yeah. he switched us to a different company. No, it was a different. It was a different person. It was the uh, the people that were looking for. Oh yeah, the sunken point. ship. It wasn't Dexter. Right. Oh yeah, but they, they show like the monitor, right? And they have like a picture of it again. Yeah, it's a different but company. <laughs> Later, they showed Dexter's boat as well, and he has a different screen on. So I think yeah. they they got a sponsor. <laughs> and Tom Tom Fish Finders or something. Tom Tom. <laughs> Dexter tries to talk Deb into taking Rita out. He gets his way by asking, "What do I ever ask of you?" So basically, Dexter is going to miss a date with Rita, and he talks Deb into taking his place, um, which is not how the porn parody goes at all. Uh, Dexter taunts. <laughs> Taunts Dokes in the bowling alley parking lot. Dokes is tricked into thinking Dexter will stay there, leaving Dexter to free to go out and kill. LaGuardia is alone in the break room at Miami Metro. Lieutenant Pascal and her fiancé come up on the elevator screaming at each other. Pascal apologizes that LaGuardia had to hear, th- had to hear that. Then she starts giving LaGuardia more details like they're good friends. Um, and this kind of starts this weird frenemy... Uh, situation between LaGuerta and Pascal, which I think I think Pascal is genuinely trying to be friends with LaGuerta and LaGuerta is just filing everything away for when she can strike. She seems... Yeah. I, I don't know if she's like trying to be friends with LaGuerta or she's just too, too distracted uh, to see that LaGuerta can't be trusted. Well, I mean, she was told, like, by Matthews not to trust LaGuerta and not to let her get any credit for anything and all of that when she was brought in Mm -hmm. last episode. Um, So I think she kind of knows what she's dealing with, but I think she also misjudges how far she can... uh, how far she can be friends with this person or, or, you know, secretly work with this person as opposed to how politically dangerous LaGuerta really is. Yeah, I'm sure she probably thought, you know, we're women in this men's world, and of course, you know, Captain Matthew said this, but we're going to be women, we're going to support each other, and it's going to be good, and, you know, she she feels like she has somebody she can trust because they're on the same team, and, and nope, you don't know what you're dealing with. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree as well. I think that she's she's definitely putting that those feelers out there. But man, you can see the malice in Laguerta's eyes 
every time she gives her a little something, she's like, I'm going to hold on to that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hold on to that. I'm going to hold on. She's going to add them all up. And yeah, it's uh, it's such a viper move, but it's good. She sees that weakness. Yeah, we as an audience know. Like, we know exactly what she's thinking. And Well, I mean, whenever she hears something, she might as well walk away, like, rubbing her hands together. <laughs> it's it, The look on her face says it all. Well, I think she's just happy she made it to the second season because in the book, right, she dies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> she's like, well, I made it. That's a paycheck. She would have died in like episode nine last season. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so Rita gets a collect call from Paul. He's terrified that he's not going to make it in prison. Rita tells Paul that she found the shoe, but she's not going to help him. She says, "Stop blaming other people for your problems. You're in prison now. Deal with it." Uh, Dexter finds little Chino getting a blood drop tattooed on his arm. When Chino gets into his car, his back seat is full of chickens. He gets out of the car, and Dexter double M99s him. Dexter builds a sled out of a table to get Chino up onto his kill table. Uh, then Rita and Deb are out on their quote-unquote date. Rita says, "Hey, we love the hot wings here," and they commiserate over. Paul and his BS. Rita then says she realizes that Deb had it way worse. Deb says, well, at least he paid for my meals. Rita says sometimes she misses some of Paul's good qualities. Deb thinks it's not Paul, but the way he made her feel that she misses. The guy at the bar recognizes Deb, and as he approaches, she wheels around and breaks his nose, uh, which gets her in some trouble later on. This this scene actually kind of makes me sad that we don't get more Deb and Rita. Yeah. Um, they they play so well off of one another, and it's even mentioned in season one, and then again in this scene, that Deb is the one that originally introduced Dexter to her. Right. So... I would I would have loved a lot more interaction between them in season one, and this se- this episode just makes me uh, wish that there was more of that. It would be funny to see them have some kind of an influence on one another, where Deb gets like sweeter and Rita gets like meaner and coarser, <laughs> like start saying like all the like messed up things that Deb says. <laughs> Oh my god, that would be so... Like, drunken Rita is just going on and on about... (laughs) Whatever. She's like, why don't you have wood? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly! That's that's how she could learn how to say that. Yeah. Your brother never has wood. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Alright. I I would like to say, though, that I do... I really did like the way that... uh, What's her name? Jennifer Carpenter? Yes. Plays Deb, right? Her portrayal of Deb this in this episode in like battling very conflicted emotionally, trying to go this way and that way through everything she's been through, and I think this scene really is great for both of them, for both Rita and for Deb, and and just kind of showing that. And it sucks that it's, it results in her like freaking out and hitting this guy and breaking his nose and getting in trouble. But I think that it's a it's a step it's a step up for the actress in terms of like how she played last season to how she's playing this season like I'm already just like yeah I like Deb this season already yeah I mean she's got a hair trigger right now and that's where that's what's getting her into trouble is that you know from the outside and from probably the way she talks to psychiatrists and stuff like that she's she's 
dealt with Rudy enough that she can function, but being reminded of him or being uh, called out in some bar by some asshole is enough to set her off. Mm-hmm. Well, and she's not really fully functioning either. She's completely faking it. And, you know, she played that scene so well, too, because you just, you know she's trying so hard to put up this wall. She's so vulnerable, but she doesn't want anybody to see it. And because she has that heart, she swings on a guy who didn't deserve to be punched in the face, and she's completely trying to rationalize, looking around saying, you guys saw that, right? You saw that, right? Because she didn't want to feel oh my god, I just hurt somebody who I really didn't need to hurt. Yeah. So Dexter accidentally wakes Chino, who begins to pop out of his tape. He grabs a cleaver to hit him, but Chino is gone when he turns around. There's another flashback to Dexter standing on the edge of a building. Harry thought Dexter was suicidal, but he isn't. He's trying to find out a way to feel alive. Dexter goes to Rita's and finds her crying and smoking out back. Paul is dead. Dexter says, oh, oh, so he eventually gets the right response there. Uh, (laughs) Paul got into a fight and died, but now she has to tell the kids he's dead. Rita says she could have prevented that. She asked Dexter if Paul going to prison was really Paul's fault, and then she collapses into his arms. Uh, Dexter gets back to his apartment. Deb has TiVo'd a newscast showing all the bodies being brought up from Dexter's dump. Deb says, there's a worse killer out there. Maybe I can get some peace. Isn't that great? Dexter, his hand on his part, which is pounding, says, it's amazing. That's the end of the episode. Uh, the thing about uh, Paul's, or how Rita could have prevented Paul's death, uh, I think was interesting when you were talking about earlier, Dale, how it, it does seem a little bit more like, now that you mention it, it does seem more like Paul set that up or he was pissed off because she wouldn't cooperate or he knew and then she wouldn't help him. And so like this moment specifically when she's like, I could have prevented it, meaning like, you know, not physically prevented it, but had I just cooperated or told him about the shoe earlier or whatever, like, you know, he'd still be alive. I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's that guilt. Like, even though he's dead now, she still has to live with that guilt. You know, he still has her. Well, I mean, she knows Paul well enough to know that, their last phone call set him off, right? If he, if she had never admitted that she'd found the shoe and just left Paul hanging, he probably would still keep fighting for, you know, staying alive and getting out eventually. But it was the fact that she betrays him and there's nothing he can do about it that just puts him on tilt and he goes out and starts a fight he can't win. Well, it could have also been another attempt at manipulating her, like getting beat up and placed in medical bay. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, we we have the shoe. He could have been using that to manipulate her and just didn't count on him getting killed. Yeah. I just think it really shows that Paul couldn't be reformed. You know, he could right. get off drugs, he could get clean, but he would never have been able to control his temper. It would have been the same cycle over and over. If he can't control his temper in prison with probably a much bigger guy, if he came out, he would have started the same things with Rita over and over again until the kids got older and started doing it with the kids. You know, he wouldn't yeah. have changed, so. Yeah, and, and importantly, it doesn't make it a moral question about what Dexter did. It's not that Dexter got him into a situation where it was inevitable that he was going to die. It's that 
Paul was in a situation and he escalated to, to the point that he died. And he would have gotten himself killed yeah. eventually anyway, one way or the other, without yeah. Dexter. Uh, the director on this episode was Tony Goldwyn, who did a couple last season. Uh, he uh, also played Dr. Meridian in the episode Shrinkwrap. He was in the movie Ghost. Uh, after this, after Dexter, he was on the, the series Scandal, and he played Fitzgerald Grant, the president. And again, like I said earlier, this was written by Daniel Cerrone. He was previously a writer on Charmed. An executive producer of the first two seasons of Dexter, writing six episodes total, including Popping Cherry and Circle of Friends in season one, and uh, also co-writing the finale last season. So he's picking up from his own script last year. After Dexter, he wrote and executive produced on The Blacklist and Constantine. Um, who has the best line of the episode? That's a tough one, because this episode was so well-written, I thought. I thought this was the best written as far as... The humor, there was a lot of really good humor involved, but also just the depth of all the complicated emotions they're all going through. Dexter's going through this transition, and he's off balance, and so is Rita, and so is Deb. So it was really hard to pick a best line. Um, if I have to pick one, I'm probably going to go with, uh, thanks for supporting the bowling team, and fuck you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I got a couple of dokes lines, because I just love dokes lines. So I got, uh, you're supposed to preserve the crime scene, asshole. Mm-hmm. A good one. And then, uh, can we please secure this motherfucking crime scene? <laughs> Uh, one of my favorite ones, uh, Dexter says it a couple different times during the episode, but my favorite one is when he said, after Chino gets away, he says, uh, it's been 38 days and so many hours since I killed my brother, and he just hangs his head and says, I am cursed, because the voodoo guy cursed him at the, <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> I love that line. Uh, how about the worst line of the episode? Oh, I'm sure Brooke's got a masuka line for us. Actually, I'm, because it's it's a given, and I knew everybody would expect that, I went with something <laughs> else. See? I'm, I'm turning it around. Nice. <laughs> uh, it was when Paul was making up the little story to go along with Candyland, and he said uh-huh. the Chocolate Swamp is home of an oopy-goopy nightmare named Gloppy. <laughs> I, I know he's making up a story, but... I mean, an oopy goopy nightmare named Gloppy. Really? Well, so, Gloppy yeah, nope. is currently a character in Candyland. It's not the and, same but, as it was when we were kids. Yeah, he it was like a he's fudge like, creature. He's like made out of molasses, basically. But kids don't know what molasses is anymore, so they turned him into like King Gloopy or something like that. <laughs> they still make. Molasses. I'm not okay with that. You don't mess with Candyland. That's not cool. Yeah, yeah Candyland's like, all different now. Poppy trots the <laughs> McGee over there. <laughs> the night Cloppy trots McGee. Then just Elsa from Frozen for some reason is in it. <laughs> I no. think my worst line is pretty much everything Batista has to say in this episode. <laughs> you just you just gotta envision it, and there you go. And I'm just like, oh god. <laughs> yeah found his answer on an Oprah rerun. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I'll agree with everyone. I'll throw out a Dexter line that I thought was not necessarily the greatest because sometimes he does say those lines that are kind of like, eh, whatever. But uh, he said, uh, I come here to dump bodies, not beer bottles. Now I'm just a litter bug because he can't, he's not dumping anything. <laughs> yeah, that was lame. Over that and was I'm pretty like, lame. Ah. Yeah, right? It's like, I'm a litter bug. You're like, shut up. <laughs> you, were, you were a litter bug before. They're just bodies instead of bottles. Yeah. It's not littering if it's bodies in a bag. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I didn't say it back when we were talking about it, but I did think it was funny that, you know, Zach, you were talking about that shot where, like, the shelf kind of breaks off and then you see, like, another layer of bodies and then another layer of bodies underneath that. And, uh... The way that the bones were like completely bleached in all of those shots that we're looking at, uh, to me it felt like it was some kind of Pirates of the Caribbean related <laughs> like riot or something. The way that it was all set up, Very, yeah, like, it looked like a, a fish tank or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like these bones are perfectly set to make you think that like somebody died from a pirate crash here or something. Yeah, I noticed that too. <laughs> I was like, it was cool, other than, yes, the weird bleach bones that randomly are placed amongst the graveyard. All right. Uh, What about performance of the episode? I got to go with Jennifer Carpenter. Just seeing her being so broken and the the little things getting to her... um, the fact that she's so wounded, but she's facing it with such a brave face. Like, she she just kills it in this episode. Yeah, I'm going to second that. I was th- I was thinking that the whole time I was watching the episode. I was like, man, Jennifer Carpenter's crushing this episode. She's really good. I think she took some classes or something in between seasons. Um, no, I'm just kidding. No, I think this is, a, this is a bigger character for her to play. It's a more conflicted yeah. character, and there's a lot more uh, a lot more for her to work with. So we get to see a little bit more of, of that. I think this was one of uh, Michael C. Hall's best episodes so far, as far as his performance. So I really want to give it to him, but just she's so good in this episode. Yeah. She's just so good. All right. Well, that is uh, season two, episode one. Uh, thanks, guys, for joining me on Deeply Discussing Dexter, and thanks to everyone listening to the podcast. We will see you on the next episode. Thank you.